News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Now, we're joined by the Minister for Transport, Climate, Environment and Communications, Eamon Ryan. Uh, Minister, we've been talking about it uh, on the show. Uh, you're planning to cut the herd by 10%, taking one in five cars off the road by 2030. That's the, what the reports say. Is that what you are actually considering doing in Cabinet? Well, we have a whole range of changes we need to make to meet our climate targets. We'll have a Cabinet subcommittee tomorrow and then the full Cabinet discussing the plan on Wednesday. And all going well, I expect to publish it then. And it is significant. It's the first time under law we've we've got real targets in each sector. So each sector has to step up to the plate. Agriculture much less than others. Transport, uh, and agriculture is about a quarter of the emissions have to reduce. Uh, in transport, it's about half. In likes of energy, it's up to 75%. So some sectors will have to do more than others, but every sector will have to play its part. And... Well, take agriculture, first of all. It, it, it has to work for Irish farming. Like, we're not going to uh, shut down farming. We need that food. and But also, we need farming to be at the front line in protecting nature, in improving our local environment. And I believe if this can be a win-win, we can diversify into new uh, forms of income for farming. That's what I think farming families are more concerned about than anything else. Uh, in energy, first of all, in anaerobic di- digestion, in solar power, in farms being able to kind of provide their own energy for their own business needs. Um, but also into organic, we're starting to see huge demand, a huge increase in interest in people switching into organic because that makes sense. You, it's lower cost when you're not spending so much on fertilizer. And I think we can get a premium selling abroad and at home by selling genuinely origin green food. Um, but also into new, like into areas like tillage where there's been reduction in recent years. And that's where we need to diversify so that we're not dependent in any one market. So that yes, agriculture lives within its emissions limits. Um, and, but that farmers get a good income for that. And that's okay. what, uh, that's the bones of what will happen there. Same it, in transport. Can I just be, just before we move to transport, can I just, can I just say, is it 10% of the herd being cut? Is that, is that the figure? No, I don't. Well, at first it has to go to cabinet for so I'll wait and my, my colleagues, but, um, I think the key thing is that the emissions reductions go down. That's the figure that's most vital. And as I said, and then the second most important figure is what's the income? How do we make sure, particularly for a whole generation of young people, we want to go into both forestry and farming. And I think in in farming and agriculture, it's actually income from forestry, not stopping farming, but integrating forestry, agroforestry and riparian strips of forests, um, which help protect the environment, improve biodiversity. That's the way it goes. Makes sense. And I know you don't want to get into specifics, excuse me. But let me ask you this question. Can you cut agriculture emissions without cutting the herd? You have to reduce emissions in a variety of ways. Uh, included in that is methane, which does come from livestock, uh, but also nitrous oxides and, and uh, pollution from the fertilizers, uh, as well as carbon dioxide. So it's going to be a variety of different changes. Uh, and agriculture is changing in any case. So it's, it's a matter of You're not answering my question. Can you well, cut, be, can you cut emissions be. without cutting the herd? There will be lower numbers of cattle, okay. uh, but there will be higher income for, for a whole variety of different farming groups. All right. Uh, talk to us about transport. I mean, uh, like, uh, I, I know it needs to be done, but taking one in five cars off the road is going to be massively, massively challenging. We don't have a great public transport system because our houses are spread out. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's a lack of density of population here. How are we going to manage to take one in five cars off the road by 2030? I think it is probably the most challenging in my mind because we're, we've gone on a pattern over the last five decades. What the 
OECD, they did a big report reviewing Ireland and they said we'd been designing it almost to promote private car use and we do need to switch towards much more public transport, much more active travel, but also reduce the need for travel. Like we're using things like change that are happening in, in remote working, in town centre first strategies, in, in building back in the centre of our cities. So there's not necessarily everyone having to do a long commute. That whole kind of everyone drives in five days a week and everyone drives home. That doesn't work. It doesn't work on a climate basis. It doesn't work because of gridlocks. It doesn't work amount the amount of time it takes. It's it's so so there is going to be a significant, it's a complete pivot in transport is what we needed. There is new public transport services arriving. I mean, we've seen we we've been rolling out new rural bus services around the country under what's called the Connecting Ireland program. That's been hugely successful. We're seeing a massive uptake, particularly among young people in rural areas, around using when you do provide high quality public transport services, Irish people flock to it. So it's not easy. It'll be probably, I think, the most challenging. But it's one, again, where we don't have a choice. We do have to cut our emissions. And also, just going the way we were going, which is kind of a car-dependent model, doesn't work for anyone because when everyone's driving, it means everyone's stuck in traffic. If we can switch to, to the public transport and active travel, it actually be- works better for everyone because the roads aren't as clogged. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't argue the word you said, and I don't think most people would, but can I put to you that there isn't a snowball chance in hell of getting uh, taking one in five cars off the road by 2030? All five, all the air sectors have got huge challenges. Like it's beyond compare, um, but but we are going for it. And the climate action plan, which is going, to, which has been set out, agreed hopefully by Cabinet on Wednesday, it's done on really detailed assessment of each sector. It's not. Uh, it's done on scientific analysis of what's happening at present. What can we do to change, and what would that lead to? And yes, it shows we can do it. Now, no, no one should underestimate the scale of that change and the challenge. Often, a challenge really at a political level. It, a lot of the changes we need to make in transport are dependent on local authorities across the country being really creative and innovative in how we design our towns and cities and make them work. One of the things we're doing, one of the projects that we're delivering is what we're calling Pathfinder projects. We have 35 of them right around the country. And they're to give examples for local authorities how you can work fast, how you can really change the whole system towards a much better transport system. And that's what we're going to do. Okay. Um, you uh, also want to tell us about this new memorandum of understanding on increased cooperation for the development of offshore renewable energy. Tell us about it. Why is it important? I think it's really significant. Um, I was in Brussels yesterday. I'm here again today for the Energy Council. But yesterday, we had a meeting of the nine countries, which are members of it's, it's the North Seas Energy Cooperation. It's nine governments. Uh, we're very fortunate I hold the presidency at the moment. And one of the key things we wanted to do with that presidency was bring the UK back in. So we had a signing last night, which is very significant, that the UK, a uh, memorandum of understanding, how these nine European countries will work with the UK put aside protocol, put aside Brexit, we have to cooperate in energy. And we signed that memorandum of understanding last night. It start, it allows us to really coordinate how we develop offshore wind, how we develop energy interconnection with the UK, and including, I was talking to the UK minister last night, uh, how we get really good cooperation on the likes of our gas networks so that we're secure in our gas supplies. So I think it's significant. I think it's significant politically because it's an example of whatever the mess around the protocol and the Brexit um, we can still work with the UK and, we, and it's, our, it's in all our interests to work collectively. The council meeting today will follow on. We're looking at the whole other gas issues, but everyone agrees we're going to go renewable. 
um, the scale up is again beyond compare. It's it's a uh, it requires huge investment. It will be difficult to do because there are difficult planning issues that we need to get right as we go out into the seas and as we we both provide marine protected areas and protect nature in our maritime environment, but still tap into the energy source we have uh, at such scale. We tap into that energy, and actually for us, it's an industrial development opportunity. Uh, as well as an energy opportunity. And it works best when you work with the UK and France and others. So we've just, we're starting work now. Uh, well, we've started work on a new interconnector with the UK. It's, it's happening. We've also just signed a contract for the interconnector with France, and that will help, and, and it's happening, and it'll help us balance this variable renewable power supply. So these memorandums of understanding sound a bit academic, but actually they're the very centre of the new industrial revolution that's taking hold, and we can and will lead that out, as we did yesterday under the presidency of this group of countries that we're organising. Okay, you mentioned the word revolution. Uh, just very finally, uh, no revolution when it comes to the cabinet reshuffle. It was all a little dull, a little underwhelming. Uh, the, the, the criticism criticism would be that there's there's no there's no freshness uh, about the uh, the reshuffle and about the faces around the cabinet. How, how do you respond to that criticism? But government's working, and and you don't break something up just for the sake of kind of you know a bit of excitement politically for a day. That people that in the electorate who you know who can't buy a house, uh, who are facing yeah, we, uh, high energy bills, they they would dispute that the government is working. Well, we have we're, we're committing to do absolutely everything we can to provide those houses on the energy bills. Yes, it's really challenging. It is in every country in Europe at the moment. But the analysis by the SRI that what we have done in protecting householders has actually demonstrated that it is protecting the most vulnerable. It will help our country get through this difficult winter. Now, the problem we have, and this is what I've been discussing at the European Energy Council today, is how do we plan even into the next year? Because our challenge will be how do we refill European gas stocks when there's no Russian gas available? So, unfortunately, this is going to take, uh, depending on the length of the war, this is a long, okay. unfortunate challenge, and uh, and we will do everything we can in that area as well to protect our people. Okay, we will leave it there. Eamon Ryan, Green Party Leader, Minister for Transport, Climate, Environment and Communications. Thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.